You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With the pump fake and a one dribble inside to the long two, and he makes it. That's been his game his whole career. But look at him smiling. We go my man. Another episode of The Long Two. I am Pete Rogers. He is Natty Wallach, and we are a Mellow Stand podcast, but occasionally talk fantasy basketball. Uh, Natty, how you doing? I'm great, dude. Mellow scored 25 points. Mellow is fucking back, America. Get on the bandwagon before it leaves without you. It's just so awesome to see, and everyone's so happy. Like just seeing everybody on Portland be so happy for yeah. Mellow when he does well. Everybody in the NBA, aside from the front offices, love Melo. Yeah, because how could you not? He's a wonderful person. And we, we know this on good, on good authority because we, you and I, are very good friends with Melo. He would be our third uh, host on the show, but you know, he got, obviously he's back in the NBA, so he doesn't have the free time to, to tune in and join us as much as he once did. He is our uncountable number. He is just the best. <laughs> Doubles, zeros. I love it. I love it. Uh, and it's right. funny because, like, I've been thinking about how much love he's been getting mm-hmm. and how much hate Kyrie continues mm-hmm. to get. Mm-hmm. And, like, every single rumor about what happened last year in Boston, like, oh, Kyrie was, he sat out of practice and he didn't talk to someone on an elevator. And there's all this vintage boston media bullshit when somebody leaves their team oh and yeah it it's all just comes like out. Kyrie has a chip you know he has one of the biggest shots in nba history and it's just sort of weird that people don't like him but they know what a good player he is and everybody's rooting for carmelo even though they know like, like his defense is pretty atrocious <laughs> Yeah. Well, I feel like, I feel like Melo maybe, and again, we know Melo personally, but we don't know Kyrie personally. Um, Kyrie maybe is a harder person to get to know. I have no idea. Oh, whatever, dude. Like I, I this is know. all Boston bullshit. Like this didn't happen after he left Cleveland and that those were under worse circumstances, really. Like this is completely. Yeah. The Boston media loves to do this, but he also was like, opened the season last year being like hey boston i'm gonna stay here forever and then the, throughout the season boston's like all right so are you gonna resign he's like no i don't need to talk about shit so yes do you think it had anything to do with uh the coach playing his favorite son all the time even though maybe he shouldn't have been well rumors coming out of it was that his favorite son was bawling in practice and just had a mental block mm. in game which has finally seemingly broken free until he then injured himself but no i'm sure that had something to do with it like i mean i'm not i'm not shifting all of the blame on Kyrie, but there is uh, it's not a great look when you open the season being like i'm here forever give me a contract and then at every and then like you know two months later when boss media is like hey like are you excited to sign a contract he's like i don't need to talk about my contract we'll see what happens free agency is just you know 
So, you know, I'm glad he's not in Boston anymore. I'll say that. I just can't wait to see how much shit Kemba gets in three months when everyone in Boston is, you know, tired. But of Kemba's <laughs> lovable. Kyrie's not. Kyrie was never lovable. He was before you guys lost him. Eh, Everybody was, was so he? happy when he was like, oh, yeah, I want to retire a Celtic. <laughs> That's yeah. why you guys are so upset. Why'd you tease us? Well, yeah. Why do you? Why not? We're, we're men of our words here in Boston. We, I mean, I'm not there in Boston, but from the Boston, you say something, you stay something. I mean, you, I understand, man. I, I mean, my love for Detroit sports. Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm just saying you guys, your last two point guards haven't been treated that well. That's mildly fair. Thank I'm you. Mildly. Just so long as it's it's not max and it's not min, it's mild. It's mild. Uh, I did want to hot sauce you can give to a kid. (laughs) Exactly. I wanted to quickly say because uh, and forgive me for this take being old, but I only have once a week to speak my basketball mind. Speaking of the Celtics and the Clippers, which first of all was an amazing game, let Mm -hmm. the record show. Uh, But coming from that game, I have I realize. My, my torch of just pure hatred of a player to watch play has passed now from LeBron because I'm just like, all right, LeBron, you do your thing. I've kind of, I still am annoyed with a lot of the things he does, but I can just be like, whatever. <laughs> He's the greatest player on the planet. So like that shit happens. I fucking hate Patrick Beverly. Absolutely yes. fucking hate Patrick Beverly. Yes. Just, I wish he was a piston so hard. I love oh those players totally. God, he wait. Do you hate him or Embiid more? Oh, I hate him so much more. Interesting. Oh my God, Embiid. At least I feel like can beat the living shit out of you. Patrick Beverly, I feel like is the fakest tough guy in the NBA. And when like a player <laughs> like grazes their hand on him, it looks like he's like taking fifty sh- bullets straight to the chest and is like bleeding all over and suddenly you know yes. he's dying in every fucking yes, possible he way feels like, it yes oh my god it's not even selling it there's like one thing to like sell the foul and the other thing is to look like you're being shot from a sniper at, at the graze of a hand see i love those players like everyone that pisses off other people but see i, I enjoy that too love. like marcus smart is my fucking spirit animal but somehow, somehow, Patrick Beverly, I feel like, uh, is just <laughs> if if I don't, I don't feel like Patrick Beverly is actually that tough. And I'm not saying that I am tougher. That is a false statement. I am sure if I ever met Patrick Beverly, he could beat the shit out of me. But my I'm point tougher is, than Patrick Beverly. There. We- <laughs> so, so i will watch as patrick beverly and natty fight it out and we'll see who's tougher but yeah, uh it won't last long <laughs> but i feel like Embiid and marcus and those kinds of traditional like just like ron artest like you don't fuck with those guys but like patrick beverly i feel like you could fuck with if he was a celtic you'd love him harder than anybody so no i, I wouldn't mean, i wouldn't because his his okay. his antics his antics annoy me he's he's just and i also i mean i also just fucking despise players who are really bad and then suddenly come out of nowhere just like shoot fucking lights out from three point against the celtics <laughs> patrick Beverly was shooting like 20 percent from downtown and then it just goes on a hot streak yeah. suddenly becomes clay thompson and can't fucking miss Dude, it's a compliment. People get up for your team. It's great. Yeah, I guess. You want their 110%. Um, 
Well, the Clippers though have to get up right now. Currently, I, I'm not looking at the game, but it's but they are playing the Mavericks, and that means that they're going up against MVP Luka Doncic, and I think that's the natural place to. I know we're 15 minutes into this podcast already, but we got to talk about Luka Doncic, who has been who's come out of nowhere to be the front runner. Has to be the front runner for MVP, right? No, I still think it's Giannis because of the win-loss record. Like okay. if Luca and the Mavs finish, if Luca and the Mavs are worse, then I feel like his, uh, like I feel like he's number two, sure. or maybe even three or four. Because if the Lakers finish number one, then I think you have to put LeBron up there. Um, but I still, Giannis is still my number one just because, you know, they lost a great player who's doing really well and Giannis is just better. He's better than he was last year. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. But Luca really is icy, my cool, the best. I mean, he looks like he's, I, I thought he would look like this in five years. Oh my God. And he's he looks like it now. 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and he's doing things that only LeBron has done, and his not PR even. Is I mean, only he's something that like Giannis and he's Wilt averaging thirty point six rebounds. Excuse me, he's averaging thirty point six points, ten point one rebounds. Thirty six rebounds would be really that would good. be astronomical. <laughs> there are two players in NBA history who finished with an average of this or better. It's Russell Westbrook in his two thousand sixteen seventeen MVP season, yeah. and Oscar Robertson did it twice in nineteen sixty and nineteen sixty one. Yeah. Like Luca is doing things that, and, and the craziest thing is he's doing it in fewer minutes, in fewer attempts. He has a better true point, uh, true shooting percentage, and he's shooting 34% from three. So it's not like he's just going lights out from downtown and is scoring all of this. And it, like you, you've pointed to this. We all saw last year what Luca could be, right? We saw a lot of potential, and you're like, God damn, this guy is going to be fucking good in four five years but you would have never thought that he was going to be this good in his second year in the nba at 20 years old like conceptually there is multiple steps for him to go from here in his career oh yeah yeah that's the terrifying thing it same with Giannis, and really same with anthony davis like we assume that there is another level over what we're seeing and maybe two, and that's absolutely terrifying. And the most impressive thing about Luca is his team is doing really, really well. They're mm-hmm. a top five seed right now, and Russell Westbrook's Thunder were not. Like, at best, they were a six, seven, or eight seed for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, Luca's making the team better. And he's arguably doing it with worse than what Westbrook had. I mean, Westbrook's triple doubles, I think the first year for MVP, like that was the team telling him, we're going to get you the MVP. You're the guy who stayed. We love you. We don't have the pieces around us to be a real championship contender. So we're going to make you fucking famous and immortal forever. And that's, you know, just how we're going to play our team. And we'll see how well we can do. But Luca, they the Mavericks didn't expect to make the playoffs this year. And it really looks like they're going to, Uh, they're probably going to make a trade. 
And I don't really know who that could be, but by having Luca, who's a guy that can play the wing and be the distributor, you can basically aim for whoever you want as a player acquisition. Like you, I mean, Luca can't play center, but everything else he can do. But what yeah. if? I can't fucking believe, like, the very idea that he and Booker could be playing together just makes uh, me want to tear all of my skin I mean, off it's, and throw it's it into just, the sun. I mean, I, like, hindsight, they, they like to say that it's 2020. You know, those people out there uh, who say these things, they like to say that it's 2020. But you have to look back on not only, you know, the Suns, which is mildly defensible. The NBA loses their shit over any kind of, like, uh, game-changing big, right? Like, any kind of guy who comes in and can get you 10 and 10, people are just, like, the NBA. Yeah, but we know that that's incorrect. Like, per- right. What, no, of course. What's we the know last that. championship team who's had it? No, no, no. Like, the last time a big was in the best player on their team in a final, I think was maybe Dwight Howard. That, that was over a decade ago. Yeah. Um, you, you cannot underestimate how important wings and distributors are right now. And it's really just wings that distribute. Like if you have a forward who can play like a guard, then you're golden. You have a step up over everybody else. And DeAndre Ayton, the only way he can end up having better value than Luca is if he averages 20 and 20, right. like hindsight. Right. And we know that centers are fungible. Like there's, he played in Arizona. He was the local kid and server's awful. Like there's, but there's really just no excuse. I mean, I mean, sure. the Hawks got Trey Young, but like, whatever. You can say what you want, but like the Hawks had him. Yeah. They, it wasn't like, it wasn't like this. I mean, the Suns, you make your pick, you live and die by it. The Hawks had him in their hands and decided that Trey Young was a better fit for them for whatever reason. And like, again, it's such a hard argument. Dude, Kings, too. They took Marvin Bagley. Like, God they, damn it, Kings. I mean, can Kings you is imagine the, Fox and yeah, Kings is the Luka biggest. That's and the big, Buddy. Oh, Jesus. Christ. I know it hurts. It that hurts does hurt. so bad. That hurts real bad. I can't no. believe Dallas ended up with him. I mean, but it, but it makes so much fucking sense because what was the thing that everyone said about Luca? Everyone was like, well, he's played in the European League and there's all yeah. those, you know, freakouts and people have their prejudices against that. And of course, Dallas is like, Mark Cuban's like, hey, guess what we've had for the last decade and a yeah. half? Dirk Nowitzki, and that worked pretty damn well for us. Here's another European guy who at 19 won the MVP, or 18, sorry, won the MVP for his league, carried his team of men to the finals, to the championship of the Euro League, and then comes into the NBA, and it's like, oh, my God, guess what? That translates pretty damn well, maybe even better than college hoops, and 19 wins the league MVP and our uh, rookie of the year, and this year is in the running for MVP. Like, if Dallas had had the number one pick in that draft, I think they would have taken Luka. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. Um, And, again, all of this is in hindsight, except a hell of a lot of people were saying that everyone was crazy not to take Luka 
before the draft, during the draft, after the draft. So right. this is this isn't Giannis because that's that's the one thing yeah. that yeah. people people love to be like, you know, like uh, Stephen Adams went the pick before Giannis, and everyone's like, well, Thunder could have had Giannis there. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. Like we, no one fucking knew Giannis was going to become the best player. He had on less him. tape on him too. Like, right. people had been watching Luca since he was sixteen. The motherfucker's good at basketball. <laughs> He's so good. It's just it it blows my mind that that somehow and I and yes, the European level is you know a slight downgrade, obviously, but it's professional basketball. And I would I mean, I don't know. There there are plenty of examples of of European players coming in, high profile European players coming in and burning out. But it seems like in today's day and age that that given what Luca put on tape that it's just, that wasn't reason enough to be like, we are going to pass on this guy whose ceiling is multiple league MVP. In today's NBA, you want wings who can distribute the teams that didn't take him took a center who is fungible and an undersized guard who can't defend, even though he can shoot maybe like Curry. Mm-hmm. there's just no real good reason to take those guys over someone who almost everybody acknowledged would at least be a solid NBA player. Right. And, you know, like you want the wings that are good. Everybody does. So take them when they're available. Yeah, no. And it's, I, the NBA is a better place with Luca just like balling. Cause He's the beautiful folk hero in the sense of like, you look at him on the court and he doesn't look amazingly athletic. He's kind of like Jokic. He's like a smaller Jokic where you're like, oh, is that guy really that athletic? And then he consistently is able to tool on all the very athletic guys around him. And you're like, oh yeah, I guess he, guess he is. But he's a white guy who's got a little thickness to him. Like, ooh, this gives me hope that maybe I could be an athlete someday, which I, you know, can't be. But it's he's, he's like the perfect folk here and then he's got that like forearm lion tattoo sleeve which is like yes no idea where that came from but sure let's let's ride with that yeah some of this is because he just didn't really look the part you know he doesn't look fit and real trim and like he you know monitors his diet and he's totally sculpted you know people call not fat but like not fit and slow and those things don't really end up mattering in the NBA when you have a good handle and you can use your speed or lack of it to fool other people like like slow-mo he does it all the time Kyle Anderson is like slower than Paul Pierce made a whole career out of it yeah totally for sure there's there's different kinds of fasts you know like in the NBA and in the NFL too yeah. Like the fastest wide receivers usually aren't the best ones. They're the ones that know how to use their speed that are actually, you know, they're smart. And I mean, Luca already looks like one of the smartest players in the entire NBA. He sees things in terms of passing that most people don't see. Yeah, no, he's incredible. And I've heard this, uh, Bill Simmons is, has said this analogy a lot, but it's like what watching, I feel like it's watching Larry Bird in this time period. Like if Larry Bird played in this NBA, that's what, that's what he, he'd look like Luca. He'd look like this guy who 
can see all of these openings on the court that you just don't necessarily see make the passes where they need to go, but then also can score pretty much any way he wants to. Well, I think he looks like a taller Chauncey Billups. So we'll just agree to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Funny, funny, those analogies that we uh, both have come up with. (laughs) Yeah. It's so weird. I mean, out of all of the teams, why would we choose those? anyway <laughs> yeah there's i have i have definitely no uh no allegiances neither of us do either way in those senses um, Dude, but it's like one more thing about luca yeah and really the mavericks um they no one on that team is untouchable aside from Kristaps and luca right they can do anything i mean tim hardaway jr is playing fucking out of his mind like they can just I don't even, they can't get Bradley Beal this year because of the restrictions once you sign a new contract. Mm-hmm. But I, there's tons of players out there who are going to be available in uh, just a couple of weeks, actually, December 15th. We're really getting close to it. Yeah. And I, I don't know what happens, but I know that Dallas always tries to make moves and always tries to get better when they think they can win. Mm-hmm. I, this is going to be a is- very interesting trade season. If uh, if the Mavericks get fifty wins, does Luca win MVP? Uh, it depends on what Giannis has done. I mean, I do think, I think that if the Lakers have the number one overall seed, LeBron's going to get the MVP. If like the Bucks that. have the number one overall seed, Giannis will. Yeah. And if Luca and the Mavs end up a two or three seed then i think he has and he keeps doing what he's doing and right. if he actually averages a triple double huh. then i think it'll be him but the weird thing about triple doubles is that uh westbrook sort of broke the league sure. showing you people that you could do it um and still be bad so i don't think it'll be as uh powerful um in influence on the MVP this year, just because people were like, Oh yeah, well, but you still lose. That's fair. I mean, but I think if they, if they are a top four seed in the West, a division that people spent the entire off season and every fucking year being like, this is the most competitive division in all of sports. You know, this conference, you could win 48 games and still miss the playoffs in the West. Um, if they if they're a top four seed in that after having no real expectations of that and squarely on the shoulders of Luca carrying this team, I would just have a hard time. I mean, the MVP is as much stats as it is narrative, and I would yeah. have a hard time feeling like that narrative doesn't get him the award, especially when you're competing up against LeBron, who I mean, yes, pro- will do and is doing great LeBron things, but it's LeBron and he's playing with Anthony Davis in LA. And you have Giannis, who is coming off of an MVP and is doing even better. Don't get me wrong, but it's also that's also an, another narrative that we have seen. We just saw it last year. So I don't know. I don't know. I I am now squarely rooting for a Luka Doncic MVP season. And if not, it better go to Giannis because LeBron. I mean, good for you for getting Anthony Davis, LeBron. See, but I think that LeBron is going to benefit from the sort of Mike Trout effect, which is that, like, if the Lakers end up with the number one seed in the West or the number one, 
and the number one overall seed. Mm -hmm. It is going to be because of LeBron, not Anthony Davis. Sure. And there comes a time where everyone just sort of has to agree like, oh yeah, shit. Well, like that's the best player, you know, like he's just done so much for so long. The accumulation of quality dictates that we acknowledge publicly that this guy is the best guy in the regular season and you know like mike trout wins mvps and the he's only played in what three playoff games in his whole life yeah something like that like there's there are narrative reasons why lebron should win if the lakers get the number one overall seed they'll be one of the best teams from last season to this season most improved um just because you have another star doesn't necessarily mean you'll be good. Look at Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that people want to uh, sort of honor LeBron after last year, or maybe not honor, but like sort of make up for, Oh man, you got injured once. And then we threw you under the bus, even though your team was going to make the playoffs when you were healthy, they had the fourth seed, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I think there are strong narrative threads for all three players. And I think what's interesting about that is that no one really wants to talk about Harden anymore. Mm. And if the Rockets end up with a top four seed, then he has to be on the ballot too. Well, especially if he's going to average 40 a game. Right. What if he breaks 3000 points? Yeah. Like what, it, you know, there's, there's like several different avenues for people to claim the MVP this year. And I mean, Giannis could get MVP and defensive player of the year, you know, like there's, it's going to be good. It's a lot of stretch. Yeah. It's going to be a great, great. It is going to be a great race. It is going to be a great race. And I think you might be right. You're, uh, this is, I hate to admit it, Natty, but you are a persuasive man when it comes to talking me out of things I love. Uh, I think I think Luca's MVP chances might fall by the wayside, not because of his performance, not because of anything, but because of the fact that he's going up against three guys who are all one has legacy in LeBron and Giannis and Harden both are like basically on track to break records and and to set set things that we don't even like play basketball at a level we can't even conceptualize. And I know Luca's doing that now, but those guys have the track record of being able to do it all year long. And if the Harden does, do, you know, does average 40 a game, it's going to be hard to harden to not give it to him. Nice. Thanks. Also, uh, Luca's youth, and this is just his second season that works second. against him because the voters are going to be like, yo, he has 15 more years sure. to get MVPs totally. and LeBron doesn't. Totally. So that is going that, um, you know, that sentimentality is going to work against right. Luca, And he's still two years younger than Derek Rose was when he won his MVP, which was the youngest yeah. that anyone had ever won an MVP. So it's not as if like, if he did win it this year, it, this isn't like something where it's like, well, we've seen this, this would be a truly incredible feat. If he won MVP this year, it would be, it would take him averaging probably, I mean, it would take him averaging easily a triple double and, you know, maybe even like 35 a game with 10 rebounds and like, 11 to 12 assists just like numbers you just can't even conceptualize that you could have for an entire season uh on a game-to-game basis in order for him and he can actually hit threes (laughs) right right and if he starts shooting like 40 percent from downtown um yeah 
which is again, it's just like it's preposterous that he's 20 years old. This is his second season in the league that he's even like dipping his toe, not even like jumped head first into this whole realm that we didn't think was going to come for him for another like four years. He's a top 10 player at worst, and he might be a top five player right now. Yeah. Um, also, listeners of the podcast, I'm sure this has already been done before, but we are now going to make this a thing. Luca Donthick. <laughs> You're welcome, America. Nice job. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. Slow uh, clap. That's <laughs> <laughs> what, what we're here for. All right, before we go on, we're going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Natty, I know you wanted to touch on, because there are just so many teams in the NBA, you know, it's it's nice to be able to just, you know, kind of push some aside and be like, well, let's not really pay attention to these team as much. I know there's some teams that you're wanting to talk about as just being like, can we already call them out of the playoffs? Well, it's always fun to shit on people. And so <laughs> let's shit on some shitty teams right now. Yeah. But I'm also very aware that a bunch of this stuff can change. So I have three teams that I think are out of the playoffs for sure. And then one that I'm not sure about, Perfect. even despite their win-loss record. Okay. So and I'll I go just through wanna, them and, and you Well, bomb. I just want to tell you this, Natty, because we are a podcast of absolutes. That's true. If you are putting these names out and you are saying they will not make the playoffs, they they have to not make the playoffs. So I just want to Oh, sure. Get, we'll yeah. keep track of it. Yeah. Well, I just want to get I just want to make sure that, you know, before you take a deep breath, make sure that Make sure that you're confident in these teams because you never know. So well, let's hear them. Give us, give us the three teams that you're certain aren't going to be in the playoffs. Let me just check your studs and duds from last week before I do that, just to see what happened. Okay. Uh, so I am sure that the Knicks are not going to make the playoffs. That, that is, a, is a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very we can, much. We can say that uh, a month and a half into the season. Absolutely. They are four and 13. They are on fire everywhere and not in a good way. Um, and I just can't, even though the East is worse than the West, I'm naming them as my number one non-playoff team. I nice. guarantee I love it. That they will not make the playoffs. I also think the Grizzlies will not make the playoffs. They're five and 11. I don't think that they're designed to make the playoffs. I think that they would be kind of a little upset if they did. And I just don't see a path forward for them to make the playoffs. 
I think the that's, war. I think that's oh, fair. sorry. Oh, Go no, ahead. no. Yeah, I, I don't know if you wanted to list or, or me interject. Uh, just quick for the Grizzlies. I think that's fair for the Grizzlies. And I agree with you. I don't think they would want to make the playoffs this year. I will say, I think that they could be a team that January, February could like play spoiler and get randomly hot sure. for a hot sec because there are a bunch of young guys who are pretty talented. And if things just kind of click for three weeks or a month that they could really upset the playoff scene. But I think you're right that they won't actually make it, but they could beat some good teams and kind of forcibly rearrange things in the West, which could always be fun. And they could also be end up with the worst record in the league because totally. when those guys start doing well, they just start, you know, selling them off as quickly as they possibly can. <laughs> um, exactly. Aside from the young guys, like they're designed to do that. They, they have players that they want to trade. Also those um, uh, throwback jerseys that they rocked were gorgeous. Yeah. Thank God that jerseys are getting better because I was so traumatized by the early 21st century Pistons awfulness with the goddamn turquoise and orange. Oh, I, I don't even you want didn't to talk like about that? it. Never mind. Dude, Jesus. I mean, and I didn't like Grant Hill. Whatever. Um, All right. Who the else? Warriors have the worst record in the NBA right now. They're three and fifteen. Yikes! I'm saying they're they're a definite not making the playoffs. Yeah. I, I like that's not. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't see why you should bring Steph back at all, really. And I would almost start. Like I would just start selling off people as quickly as possible. I would rest Draymond. I this is a lost year. Just accept it now and plan for the future, because then you can actually get excited about some stuff and maybe come back with some real assets. Also, if the Warriors end up with the number one pick, that's I. That I don't be- even know what to say about that. I almost want to be like Belichick and be like, trade down, trade down, (laughs) collect assets. Right. Because if you can get two first round picks out of it, um, then, then, you know, like that's even more reinforcement because their salary cap is going to be pretty brutal. Yeah. uh, Going forward. So, yeah. And the Warriors are in a great situation too, where no one on that team is at risk for anything. You know, it's yeah. not, it's yeah. not as if like the, the coaching staff is suddenly going to get wiped out after a bad season. It's like, everyone totally understands if you're just like, all right, we're, we're, you know, putting this season down the pooper. We're going to see how good of a draft pick we can get. We're going to give Steph and clay a full year off to, to get healthy. We're going to rest Draymond occasionally. We're going to see what some of these young guys can do that are on the team. We're going to trade D'Angelo Russell for all the picks we can get. And then we're going to come back at it next year. Full. Like, no one's worried about yeah. Steve Kerr's job security. And so that gives you then the security to be like, all right, let's, let's fully commit to the tank and let's see what happens. They're not going to be able to get uh, expensive free agents. So mm-hmm. you should get elite rookies. And yeah. the way to do that is by acquiring draft assets. So I think that's the only reasonable way forward for this team this year. I am guaranteeing the Warriors do not make the playoffs. If they do, it'll hurt them long-term. Yeah. So maybe, uh, Steve, while you're listening to this podcast, make sure you guys don't make the playoffs. It'll help you in the long-term. 
Who's the guy? Who's the team that you you said there was a fourth team that you were unsure about? That's true. So uh, okay, so those first three, those are definites for me. I like them. This, Lock them in. Not touching. Absolutely. The I'm not worried about it at all. Love it. All, whenever you start with the Knicks, good things happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this team, I'm curious about because I thought that they might be a playoff team. I don't think I had them in the playoffs, but I thought they would be close but they have the same record as the New York Knicks. They are in the East. Do you know what team I'm talking of? I do, in fact, because it was a team that I think we were both. I mean, everyone was sneakily high on. And if I had a good recall, I could remember when we predicted who our playoff picks were going to be for the East, because I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised if we had the Hawks sniffing around Absolutely. the playoff spot. But you're right. Four and 13 down with the Knicks. Somehow they don't feel as dire, though, because you're just like, right, Trey Young, let's see what he can do. But I. Rookies haven't looked great. They have I... not looked great. They have not looked great. And it is the East, though. But if you're looking at the teams ahead of them, and the team's currently positioned in the playoffs, how many, like you would need them to get super hot. You would need the the Cavs, Bulls, Hornets, Pistons, Wizards, and Magic to all simultaneously shit the bed and allow the Hawks to climb out of of this hole. And the Hawks can't play defense. And the Hawks can't play. The Hawks would literally have to score like 130 a game in order to try to like sneak back in. They miss John Collins. They do miss John Collins. God damn it. Uh, That's so sad for you. I'm sorry. I know. Thank you. I'm still, uh, because everyone, he's my dud this week. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still fighting with my commissioner to get a, uh, IR spot in our league so that I can hold, put John Collins there. But anywho, it's enough about me. Yeah. They, (laughs) they feel like a team that you don't want to lock out of the playoffs partially because you're like, they could get hot and maybe the East sucks, but also because they would be a really fun team in the playoffs. Yeah, Uh, totally. They'd be a great, they'd exit in the first round, but then it would be like a fun five game series. It'd be like the Nets last year. Yeah, sure. Like Um, there's, you know, there's a team on the up, like let's, let's watch them. And it's always fun to watch a coach uh, with a young team, Mm -hmm. see how they do in the playoffs, because that's a real crucible and it can show you whether a coach is creative or whether they fold under pressure. And I um, like the Hawks coach. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's not beat around the bush here. Let's lock them out. They're done. Okay. All right. It's a guarantee. That's it's four. Guarantee. Right on. Four, four guys were already excluding from the playoffs. Knicks, Grizzlies, Warriors, Hawks. Those guys will not make the playoffs. You can take us at our word. And as we open the show with, you know, a Boston man's word is a badge of honor. There you go, buddy. Uh, before we move on to studs and duds, I had a little game I wanted to play with you. If you, oh, I'm in. If you have a few minutes. Well, you know, I, I have this other thing going on. Becca and I are going to watch Harry Potter tonight, but I guess I could oh, nice. uh, spare a few minutes. Yeah. Well, she Wait, likes which to, one? Well, so we're half in the of process. them suck. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, hot take. Which ones are you? Saying yeah, totally. Suck? Uh, we, All the we even ones are garbage. Becca, <laughs> Becca likes she treats them as Christmas movies, and so we start them okay. eight weeks out of Christmas. So that oh, that's cute. You, yeah, I know we're adorable. 
So we're currently on the uh, Goblet Wait, of Fire. Wait, so shit gets real like right before oh, Christmas. Oh, yeah. God, oh, that's yeah. a little dark. Basically, well, basically we like to cel- have Christmas be a celebration of our lives because Voldemort has been, spoiler alert, everyone who doesn't know Harry Potter, uh, Voldemort has been destroyed. It adds a little something extra to our Christmas celebration. Absolutely. Maybe you'll start a trend now that you announce it on the podcast. Like everyone will start doing this. Yeah. That would be great. Well, I know Carmelo already does it uh, because, you know, we're such good friends. Because he's magic. Because he's magic. Uh, What's your game? Okay, my game, here's a little bit of a preface. I'm going to ask you about a player and who you would trade him for. But it's team dependent. So it's context dependent. Okay. So this player is currently ninth best in net rating for all players that average 25 minutes or more per game. Okay. He's 32 years old. He's top 40 in defensive rating, top 15 in offensive rating. He is a 60.2 true shooting percentage. He's shooting 45% from the floor and 41% from three. And I think he's one of the most untradeable players in the NBA. This player is Danny Green. Yeah. Who would the Lakers give up Danny Green for? Would they trade him for Aaron Gordon? No. Aaron Gordon's 24 years old. Oh, Aaron Gordon. Sorry, I thought you said Eric Gordon. Oh, no. (laughs) I was like... But that's a good one, too. I'm going to say I mean, they need shooting. Aaron Gordon. I would still say no, because I don't know how he plays with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I agree. Would you trade Danny Green for Lonzo Ball, which would be hysterical? <laughs> Can we trade him for the rights to LaMelo Ball? That's awesome, too. God, what if he's on the fucking Warriors next year? <laughs> um, I... I I just can't fathom if we're if we are playing team situation here. I can't fathom the Lakers doing that. Would you trade him for Demar Derozan? You get more offense, but lose yeah. on defense big time. Well, and not only, but the issue is is that the offense I'm getting, I can he cre- can create his own shot. He can get to the hoop, but Danny Green sitting in that corner for those corner mm-hmm. threes is a really yeah. nice thing to have. And Demar forty one percent from three. That. How about JJ Redick? Now, see that I would do because I JJ's not that great on the defense. That's fair. That's fair. But you have Anthony Davis and LeBron J. I mean, Anthony Davis clean can help clean up a lot of mistakes. You also have Dwight there. You also have like you got a lot of defensive-minded big guys there who can help clean up anything that gets past JJ. The thing that I like about JJ, and I, I also like Danny Green. Don't get me wrong. The thing, I mean, you're getting a three-point shooter for a three-point shooter, but you're also getting someone who can shoot, like, can create his own shot around the perimeter and in the clutchest of moments. Up okay. close and personal when he played for the Sixers against us. Would you trade Danny Green for Andre Iguodala? No. Okay. Would you trade him for any Nick? <laughs> any Nick at all? <laughs> Uh, RJ Barrett. <laughs> you would really? I have. Uh, I mean, n- yes. I don't know. That's a good question because on the one hand, like you then have to develop RJ Barrett, and you're and you're presumably this Lakers team is built in win now mode. Uh, 
But on the other hand, you now have like future security, which I think is something that you're seeing now with the Warriors, where it's like if everything goes to hell in a handbasket in a season, sure. you, you want to have some sort of young developmental talent. And since the Lakers got rid of all of theirs for Anthony Davis, it's it's and he's cheap. And he's super cheap. And so that gives you cap flexibility. Like, I think it's interesting because JJ's a like you'd base you basically said that you would trade Danny Green for one of the best three point shooters of all time and for the what number three draft pick last year. Yeah. That's two basically elite things. Um JJ's defense is I, I would keep Danny Green over I would not trade Danny sure. Green for JJ just because I want his perimeter defense. But um I think Danny Green is really fucking good on the Lakers in a way that enhances his value just to that team in particular. Yeah. And so I'm going to be very curious to see how the Lakers try to make some moves. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be tough to get a better complementary player for LeBron and AD than the one they already have. And you, th- and you think that there is, there is a piece to be moved there? There's a domino. I don't know if it's going to be big. Like I doubt that it can be big, Yeah, but I, I do think that the Lakers will have to do so. They need more shooting. They just do. Yeah. They like, you can't go in a seven game series with their three point percentage right now. Um, You know, Kuzma is an easy trade. Like he just is like the Lakers just do not need him. And other teams would like to have him. I don't know. I mean, are you trading a wing for a guard? It's, it's that I'm not really sure what the front court's going to like. Are you going to pair Dwight and JaVale in, in the playoffs? I don't really know what they're going to yeah. do, but you need maybe someone like Terrence Ross or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like sort of a cheaper shooter, but they need somebody and they can't get Beal. So um, it might just sort of be like nibbling around the edges and maybe that's how it's going to be for almost all of the teams. Maybe nobody gets a big trade done this year. Yeah, which would I mean, which wouldn't be surprising because if you think of just how many big names moved this offseason, right? Totally. Like yeah. everyone is kind of settled for the next year. And so it would be right. surprising to see a name surface on like of anyone super big, but you could see some guys who have been on their team for a while, you know, some second or maybe third year players who could be on the auction block or, or older guys who've kind of developed or suddenly, you know, are suddenly kind of sure. giving themselves notoriety. Cause I was thinking another guy who maybe you could try to go get, uh, if you're looking for wing shooting would be Joe Harris. Sure. Yeah. If the Nets he, fall out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause he would give you obviously three point shooting, but also, size to play both the wing and and could play in the uh, backcourt and he's not expensive like they're going the reason that some of these trades might not happen is because of all the player movement a bunch of big contracts are also on new teams so it's like if the pistons are out of the playoffs and just look dreadful can you move blake like which one of the good right. teams would be able to afford that contract? Like a bunch of teams would want him, but like who could right, actually right. do the trade? Yeah. So um, it's going to be, some teams are just up against the salary cap. Some teams don't have assets. Uh, one team we should mention 
the team that just embarrassed Joel Embiid, by the way, Ooh, and kept him scoreless yeah, for the first time in his career. He went 0 for 11, <laughs> which is fucking courtesy crazy. Of, courtesy of Marcus All. Dude, so uh, the Toronto Raptors are 12 and 4 right now. They are fourth in point differential. They are first in team three-point percentage shooting and seventh in three-point attempts per game. They are third in offensive rebounds per game, which is nice for second chance points. They're third in free throw percentage, which is fucking great. They're ninth in points per game, and they own all their first round picks going forward. God damn. This is a dangerous team. This is a team that can make a trade. I don't know what it will look like. Like we just said, it might be sort of hard to make a big trade this year, but the Toronto Raptors are fucking for real. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you have to give them credit because Pascal Siakam has been playing out of his mind. Dude, they lost Kawhi Leonard. And usually when you lose a player like that, like when Cleveland lost LeBron, right. You're just a crater. So this, this is like really impressive. Yeah, no, yeah. this is, and this is, again, this is, this is kind of my thought process behind, like, I mean, in your hypothetical, like if the Lakers were to go try to get someone, who would they try to go get? And I think LeBron teams have a tendency. LeBron loves to pair himself with other veterans, right? Because he knows yeah. what he can expect. He knows he can rely on them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're looking from a team building standpoint, if the Lakers need to make a move, I would almost rather make a move for a guy who's a little bit younger, a little more raw, a, needs a little bit more developing, but you're trusting that he's developing alongside the best player of the last decade, you know, yeah, as, makes as it a mentor. little easier. Right. And you also, I mean, there's a bunch of talent there to help nurture this kid. And if all everything goes to hell in a handbasket, LeBron gets injured, LeBron retires, LeBron leaves, Anthony Davis leaves, that whole nine yards. You're not stuck now with just a complete crater of a team. You've got, all right, we have one asset here, or we've got two assets here that we can build around, just like the Raptors did. And and it's what the Clippers did when they, you know, when uh when Lob City fell apart and they were able to kind of get those pieces again and have a have a exciting young team. The Nets did the same thing. And then you are able to attract talent back to that as opposed to just like cratering out and being a nothingness uh, for, you know, five years as you try to win the draft lottery a la Cleveland. Yeah. Or if you're just completely inept and garbage all the time, except for like once in eight years, like Orlando and Charlotte and Sacramento. Um, I wonder if like Devonte Graham, or mm. Terry Rozier, like, yep. um, I don't know. There, there's the fact that Beal is off the board really changed things because now you don't have a dude that's available that is a twenty point scorer. I don't think. Like, maybe there will be, but I, there's no yeah, one. There's no know. one obvious. Like right maybe now. Levine. Like if Levine loses the tug of war in Chicago, like maybe, maybe they ship him somewhere. Um, Which would be just I such mean, a dumb. Move. But again, like how you have to make salaries work, and you have to make it worth people's while. Like right. the Lakers don't have a lot of assets. Right. Would you want Kuzma on Chicago? I don't really know if that helps you. Um, so yeah, it's uh, this is this is really going to be interesting, and the Lakers look so good. I mean, the good teams just look so good right now. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's been a good uh, good good start to the old NBA. Yeah, great first month. I mean, aside from the Pistons not being the best team in the league, or even close, <laughs> or even sniffing it. Uh, should we get studs and duds? Let's do it, buddy. Awesome. What you got going this week? Uh, well, I have to give you uh, some mild credit because you were able to go 100% last week. I'm giving you oh. the po- I'm giving you the point for Jimmy Buckets and Lori Markinen. Butler has game against Philly was not good, but uh, yeah, but- that was a catastrophe. Yeah, that was. I was really was- surprised. Uh, and Markinen did have a huge game against your Pistons, but he <laughs> he followed it up with two really bad games. So uh, you're three right. and three on these. Don't give him too much credit. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I didn't get any of my picks though. I was close. I was close with Tatum. He dropped 30 against the Clippers, but only had six. Yeah. I get so, but the Clippers game should give him extra credit. You should go one and one like that's going up against the Clippers and doing that is for real. Well, he, he was my, he was my dud. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh shit. No, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> the, the nuggets was my win. That's yeah, the right. Clippers was not, I thought, I thought he was right. going to do Sorry. less. I know it's all right. So I'm two and four. You're three and three. Uh, I need to get back on the wind train. So my stud this week, Shea Gildress Alexander, Ooh. cakewalk schedule for him rest of the week, playing the Trailblazers and then Pelicans twice, both of whom are giving up more than 26 points per game to point guards. He's the Thunder's best player, best scoring option. I'm going to get a win this week because uh, SGA is just going to go full hog on these teams who uh, can't guard him. I love that pick. That's great. I love SGA. I wish, yo, CP3 has been doing really well recently. I like that team. God damn it. I like Thunder. that team too. I like that Ugh. team too. All right. And I, and well, I like SGA this week. All right. Who, who you got as a stud? So my pick, <laughs> I, I'm going on record. I think he's going to be the best player over the next seven days Woo. on fantasy. Is this because you're going to pick some really big name guy and you're like, have to justify why you're picking him? Yes, exactly. And it's for the reason that we just talked about uh, versus Toronto. I'm picking Embiid. I think he's going to go on an absolute fucking tear after getting embarrassed. And he's going up against the Kings at home. He's going to the Knicks. And then he gets the Pacers and he gets to beat up on Miles Turner, who has not looked good since he came back from injury. And we all know how much Embiid loves to go up against other like big name centers. I think that the next week for the Sixers is all about Embiid. Like he's going to walk all over the fucking Kings at home, by the way, the Knicks will just uh, be a war crime. And I think the Pacers Sixers game is actually going to be good because I think both of those teams like to play a little bit slower and like grind it out and be really dirty and nasty in defense. And I love those games. I think it'll be like a 95 89 game, but Embiid has, you know, like 31. So I think he's going to be fucking great over the next week. Uh, I like this. I like this calling your shot because I did this with my dud and I think it, it helps in my mind as I look over these, uh, and I tried to figure out whether or not the dud pulled through or the stud pulled through. It's nice to like set a litmus test as to what you're thinking. So you think Embiid is going to what? What would be a point average for him this the next three games? I think he's going to average 25 plus. There you go. Beautiful. Like I mean, if he could score fucking 40 against the Knicks, you know, like yeah. that's oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
No, because I like this. Because for my dud, my dud this week is Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, the Nets play oh. the, the Celtics twice and the Heat. That's yeah, not easy. Yeah. Both of them are one, two, and fewest points to point guards. Uh, it's been a he, he's been great for the Nets, uh, and and ha, since he's taken the starting spot, but this is not great for him. So I calling my shot. He's aver- he's going to average under sixteen points per game for the rest of the week, which is a far cry from the twenty four point seven he's been averaging since entering the starting lineup. Yeah, you're an asshole because he was mine too. So he's your dud use- as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I th- yeah. I mean, you play the Celtics twice and the Heat. And the heat what the yeah. fuck is that? Just that's game. Are you set kidding? Match. Sorry. Yeah, buddy. totally. Also, if Kyrie comes back, then his minutes go down, and like he might just not get as many stats anyway. And we both love Dinwiddie. I am. Oh yes. a huge Spencer fan. Uh, but that's a brutal fucking that's schedule. Terrible, terrible conclusion. We could both have so, him. No, no, no. I'll, I'll go with my number two. Okay. I always have multiples You're for so these prepared. just in case you steal my shit. Like this Marcus is why I Smart. go first with my picks. So I make there sure I get go. mine in. Uh, I am going to go with a guy I just mentioned, Miles Turner, who plays the Jazz, the Hawks, and the Sixers. And it's at Philadelphia, by the yeah. way. Um, he has not looked great coming back from injury. And I don't really know how well he is fitting right now with Sabonis. Uh, and maybe it's just a slow go coming back from injury, but uh, he's going up against Rudy Gobert, not optimal. Not great. He's going up against a super fast Hawks team, which might not be optimal for him. And then Embiid is just going to embarrass him, I think, uh, especially since it's in Philadelphia. So Miles Turner is my dud. Yeah. And it's a bummer because we both were, I mean, me especially, we're very high on him this offseason going into this year uh, and uh, has not has not quite come to fruition, but uh, that's a tough stretch of games. And I also have to apologize for my lukewarm take when we were doing our top five fantasy players each position that I had Rudy Gobert outside of my top five centers. That was a mistake. Thank you for apologizing. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, he's been he's been uh, <laughs> quite phenomenal for my fantasy team. Started slow though, like the, slow. and and the Utah Jazz don't <laughs> I look had great it for a I week, mean... <laughs> and then and now he is he's ramped his way well well back into a uh, top fantasy player. He looks aw- oh god, he's so good. He does. Look Do you good. have a bud this week? Uh not particularly. Just basketball, man. I I've my brother got uh, YouTube TV. Uh, he and so in my family we all like. Each of us more or less has a different subscription package that we pay for. And then sure. we like let everyone else in the family use it. So now yeah. that he has that, we I've been watching more games and, and it's just, it's nice. It's lovely just being able to like effortlessly tune into to basketball wherever I am on my computer, on the TV, on whatever. And so just been enjoying watching basketball again. And the cool basis. thing about this week is that uh, the schedule has made it so that a lot of teams play each other twice, yes. like once at home and uh, you know, they do a home and home and um, that's just going to be real chippy, which oh, is yeah. always awesome for the NBA. Oh, game twos on Friday are going to be the games to watch. So I have a bud this week. Let's hear it. My bud is going up against the Cavs the Raptors and the Warriors. So two, you know, pretty easy games. And then the terrifying Toronto Raptors. Sure. My guy is shooting 49% from the floor. 
but only 18% from three. He's averaging 1.4 steals per game, 2.2 boards, and three and a half dimes. My bud this week is Markel Fultz. I think that a game against the Cavs and a game against the Warriors will continue his upward trend Mm -hmm. in play. He's looking better. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still going slow, and I assume that the Raptors game will be a nightmare. But it's nice to see this kid doing better and playing like a real NBA player, and hopefully it continues, and by the end of the season, we're like, okay, phew. Like, he's actually good. You know, like, maybe he's not as high right exactly because it would just be so sad we always want everyone to do well yeah um and weird shit happened with him and it's it's too bad but now maybe he's in the perfect spot because the magic have been looking for a long-term point guard for a long long time um and if he if he can keep shooting almost 50 percent from the floor that's good like no matter what else like that's a good sign because uh he was known as a scorer and really any kind of improvement is just fantastic at this point. I like it. Good choice to, uh, to invest your energy watching for the rest of the week. Yeah. Let's, let's watch the magic. Let's Why, be not? Positive. Uh, Why not? Why not? Against on this the Cavs wonderful... and the Warriors? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> on this wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, let's, uh, let's enjoy a little Orlando magic. For sure. Hey, actually, I did have a question. You know yes, how sir? the Lions play every Thanksgiving? Ooh, yes. And it's, and it's like, okay, yeah, well, you haven't won since the NFL actually became a thing. Like, you have championships, but from 1950s. Um, so we're just going to give you Thanksgiving because yep. you're so sad. And um, we're just going to give this to you, even though everybody knows that it's the early game because nobody's watching. And then they play the Cowboys later on in the day. So I was wondering... Which NBA team would you play on Thanksgiving as the Lions analog? Like it's a 1230 game. People don't have to watch, but every year they can if they want. That is a good one. I feel like it would be the Wizards. Okay. I like that. I feel like they're they're a team that like has at times flirted with, you know, notoriety. With a little sure. some, Gilbert something. Arenas, well, question mark. Question but yeah, they they're like, like John good. Wall. They're exciting Absolutely. from time to time, but they're also haven't won in a long time. They're perpetually just like, eh, you know. Yeah, they're the hype starts and then it like and quickly, then it very quickly just dies off. Like the, it, you know, <laughs> and like that you want that. That's what the Lions embody. The Lions embody every year coming into it being like this is the year. Not that they're going to make a Super Bowl run. Not that they're going to like make a deep playoff push, just that they're going to be a cohesive, competent team. And dude, nine and seven is a victory. It's like exactly. the moon landing and every most, year. It doesn't most matter. Most of the time, that does not come to fruition. And I feel like the Wizards no. kind of embody that. Sure. Like they're a team that constantly underwhelms. They're a team that could just as easily like lose every Thanksgiving as win. Uh, even though they should be getting, you know, home field advantage. Um, and especially this year, they're like a number, I think they're the number two offense right now. Bradley yeah. Beal, so goddamn fucking so good. good. Ugh. Yeah. So the, I like that um, because it can't like be the Suns. Right. It can't be a team um, that's just like, well, I mean, the Suns now definitely couldn't be, but like it, couldn't, it can't be a franchise that's just like you shit on. Like you want. 
some uh, you'd want like an older franchise so right. dc fits the bill um one that's had some you know tough shakes uh, yeah. you know and uh a good fan base so i think dc's a, a good one that's that's pretty good thank you thank you thank you um well there you go and now with that we'll just we'll turn you over to your thanksgiving holidays everyone so enjoy have a great thanksgiving yeah enjoy the holidays uh enjoy being around family and friends and we will be back at you next week to of course tackle more nba action until then natty have yourself a good week and happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving enjoy the lions game buddy oh i shall it will be a delight (laughs) happy tea day everyone